It is once again time for us to tell you about Fangoria, especially their kick-ass magazine, which always explores every nook and cranny of genre filmmaking, past, present, and future, with all of the most exciting journalists, filmmakers, and horror know-it-alls to guide the way. This high-quality writing will only ever appear in these pages in the physical magazine, so if you want to join in on the fun, you'll need to subscribe. To do that, all you have to do is head on over to Fangoria.com and sign up. And since you're a KingCast listeners and you're in the family, you can enter in the promo code KingCast at checkout to save a whopping 25% off your annual subscription. And with all of that said, on with the show! Hi. My name is Stephen King. Hello and welcome back to the King Cast on the Fangoria Podcast Network. My name's Scott Wampler. And I'm Eric Vespi. And we are your hosts. We've got a double header for you on the show today, folks. In one corner, a returning guest with over, at last I counted, 7,000 KingCast guest spots under her belt. In the other corner, a KingCast newcomer whose every performance counts as a thirst trap. What do they have in common? They both starred in Netflix's recent smash hit series, Midnight Mass, directed by King adapter extraordinaire Mr. Mike Flanagan. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the KingCast stage Miss Kate Siegel and Mr. Rahul Kohli. How is everyone doing today? You guys, this is iconic because this is the first time right? Rahul and I have done press together. That's true. They've really? been keeping us apart for very good reason. <laughs> oh? We've actually What's never that? spoken outside of set. It's all via Twitter. It's all been a joke, guys. I don't even know this man. Yeah, we Holy barely... shit. We, they, well, bet, they were going to not even have that scene. That one scene we got in Midnight Mass was was threatened. I'm willing to bet that the reason they kept you apart is exactly what's going to make this episode of the show so special. So Because we're both smokers. Fuck all the other outlets that didn't have the balls to pair you. Yeah, fuck them. So how are, I mean, you, y'all have both had the experience of being on uh, a very successful Netflix Mike Flanagan series. But this one seems... This one seems kind of special. Am I right in that? That the the response seems bigger than normal, or like how do y'all feel about what's happened in the last few weeks? It's different because Blind Manor felt like a different audience to a certain mm -hmm. degree, and a different like. There's a really good example of of, of like um, demographics with the two, and that. Uh, so when Blind Manor came out, Instagram follows went up by the hundreds of thousands, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And Instagram's a much younger kind of demographic. And then the reverse happened with Midnight Mass. So it was the kind of, it was indicative as to who was consuming the content uh, and how they were responding. And so Midnight Mass has been a much more mature kind of response. It's been kind of filled with people we revere in the industry and peers, which has, you know, uh, been like a, you know, seeing Hideo Kojima you know, call me sheriff and tweet about the show. And then we had Stephen <laughs> King and, and, and Elijah Wood. You know, it's, it's, that's, that's what I didn't experience so much on Blind Manor. But, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously that, that was my experience. Kate's probably different because Hill House was a phenomena. I see, I saw that with Kojima, you know, and knew, you know, with you, Rahul, being such a 
a, a, a video game mm. enthusiast. That must have been a big moment. It was huge. Um, screenshots to Mike, like immediately, <laughs> like yeah, Metal Gear Solid. This is it was it was ridiculous. I mean, he's also, you know, he's known for consuming media and being you know he he has some wonderful tastes in 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 movies and and tv you know i kind of in the back of my mind was hoping and there's tweets before kojima had even seen it where i was hoping we'd get the kind of kojima instagram or twitter post and, mm. and when we got it that i you know my mind was blown but then when he called me the sheriff i yeah <laughs> it freaked me out it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous it's it's it sometimes it breaks your reality a little bit oh yeah i would yeah. imagine so and that's really cool that Elijah weighed in on it and that he liked it. I imagine he loved it because he didn't have to read it. <laughs> we can I all laugh know. at that. Elijah's a friend <laughs> of the show. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But I will take issue with, with something you've just said about a more mature response mm. from the fan base. Because I do <laughs> I follow you going on with Twitter. This. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what I have seen is that you had to respond to a lot of uh, Midnight Masses. Uh, most fervent and passionate fans with literally just a, a picture of yourself subtitled Christ. I can't with <laughs> because that. The He's got th to use a new meme at some point. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's the perfect response meme, I think, you know, and you, and he gets to star in it. So I will say there is something well, you know. beautiful about that because the person who's being objectified in the cast of Midnight Mass <laughs> is like Rahul. Like that, I'm not getting thirst tweets. Anara's not getting thirst tweets. Sam Sloyan's not getting thirst tweets. I'm happy to hand that mantle over to Rahul. I I I, I love it. So I graciously accept it. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, it's you know what it it's it started with Bly. I, that was not like that wasn't a thirst character. Like I looked like a <laughs> no. You're so cute. <laughs> but you know, it wasn't like there was no intention behind it. Like the tucked in shirt and the you know like, the dad know, jeans man. pulled up. It's <laughs> you, you never know what's going to hit, right? You just you, you, you don't know. And, <laughs> well, there was more. I feel like Midnight Mass. There was a bit more of an effort on that part. Mm -hmm. Like it, it was not as. Uh, an accident i guess um so <laughs> <laughs> no it was it, it was in a, in a more aggressive horniness i will also add <laughs> it's you know, yeah, to, it's to your own point there. i don't recall seeing choke me owen tweets on the feed oh there was when, oh were there oh, well, sure. oh yeah. i think i think I, I as, I, as i understand the the kind of vernacular on twitter was i i think owen was a bottom and now hassan's a top I, uh, that's the way it's flipped. The oh, the way the first is post. Amazing! Flipped. It's amazing to have to explain it that way. I have to like the spit in my mouth stuff, the punch yeah. me in my face stuff. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh. And it's weird when it also comes from peers. That makes me laugh a little bit. Uh, Listen, like just because Corey I tweet Barlog. spit in my mouth, sheriff, doesn't mean that it's coming from a peer. I'm a pure fan in those moments. <laughs> <laughs> but it was funny because when we were on set, our RAD uh, Morgan, I think he called. I don't know if you remember this, Kate, but he mm -hmm. used to say Sheriff Daddy. Yes, I do. <laughs> which everyone was like, oh, HR, is this a problem? Um, <laughs> and it was obviously, you know, Morgan's not on Twitter or Instagram. And when I started seeing Sheriff Daddy just appear, on tweets um it just made me laugh because yeah morgan morgan was doing this back in you know 2020 uh on set 
but yeah. yeah, it's been amazing, honestly. I mean, thirst aside, it's God. I'm. Uh, I, I don't even know where to begin with this show. I, I I don't think I've been more proud of a project of um, co-stars create everything from 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 every department, casting, catering, uh, all the way through has been incredible. Yeah, I, I'm still reeling of it. And we've got our freaking making off coffee table book coming out in a few weeks, Ooh. which is like a, a, a checklist, bucket list thing I've always wanted. So yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of overwhelmed by it all. Right. It's interesting to me looking at uh, Hill House versus uh, Midnight Mass in that like kind of the way, at least the bubble that I'm in, the sphere that I am, the social media sphere I'm in, uh, the way that fans were approaching Hill House was more on a, a craft level they were more interested in like the the long takes and the the hidden ghosts and stuff but like everybody that's reacting with the equal amount of fervor on midnight mass is doing so on like a pure gut emotional kind of connection level uh which is you know one i think a testament to how well the series um ended up being and you know i mean there are moments in there you know i i emailed mike like right after uh, i finished the series and was just like listen like i'm i'm a agnostic i'm atheist agnostic agnostic and and it's uh i've never heard anybody explain the way that you know what i feel about the afterlife the way that the scene um happens with you kate where you're you know you're talking you're talking with Riley about, uh, you know, about what you guys believe happens after death. And like in the way he explains it is kind of it, it felt true to me in a way that, you know, that I've never heard it expressed in in a medium before. So I think that there is something very meaningful in, in uh, about the series. And I, and I think that it's hitting people in like kind of a deep core way. I've noticed that as well with Hill House. Um, when I would get recognized in the real world, it would be more like people yelling, Theo Crane! And like just right. wanting to be like, loved that show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh my that God, there. Terrifying, <laughs> it was you. That's how we met. Um, <laughs> and then with Midnight Mass, people want to stop and talk about it. Right. They, mm. want, they want to discuss, a lot of people are saying what you said, which is that that final understanding of what happens when we die, that last monologue for the first time expressed for them what they feel these people right. who fall within the gray area of religious labels they're not christian they're not buddhist they're not jewish they're not purely atheists they have some sense of personal spirituality and they feel like like that was expressed for them and then they want to talk about that a lot of women or people who have lost children want to talk to me about that there's a certain there's an intimacy to the viewership of Midnight Mass mm. that I don't think was there in Hill House because it, Hill House was a bit more bombastic. It was a like mm. that big jump scare, that the big tracking mm -hmm. shots, so many different characters to connect to. Midnight Mass is a meditation. And the time jumping. And, and yeah. the time jumping, yeah. Midnight Mass, once you've gone through that sweat lodge, because it was paced in a way, and I know people respond in various ways to Flanagan's use of monologues and pacing, but Midnight Mass is paced in a way to slow you down so that you are thinking about it as it's happening. So you're not just right. swept up in the, the vampire of it, that you are thinking about what is happening to these people you fell in love with. And that connects with a more thoughtful audience, I have found. And a less, it's less memeable. It's less quippy in that way, except for Raul. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, of you, all you, of it. You've, you, you nailed that. It's, that's absolutely 
what it feels like more so in person than obviously on social media um Mm -hmm. people just dying to kind of talk about how it related to their experiences their upbringing my character obviously represented islam um and one of the most and that's what makes it difficult funny you know you talk about the thirsting what made it slightly inappropriate for me is i played (laughs) i played a widower who is you know losing his son to a certain degree and um constantly feeling like he's letting his dead wife down um while he's experiencing racism and isolation on an island so it's really funny when people are like you know choke me daddy and i'm like oh i'm this is a really positive representation of islam in the western media so i always i'm always i'm always getting it's like two sides of these posts so it's either like you know double denim daddy stuff or you know i'm muslim and this is the best thing i've ever seen in 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 western media in terms of portrayal and accuracy so yeah it's two it's two extremes um but the 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 stuff from the Islamic community has been just the biggest like win on a on a on a more personal level where where that character like Kate's obviously spoke about people losing children um, and Kate's obviously her character represents that the things I get sent are, are basically mainly about Islam and about um, racism and uh, you know post nine eleven kind of uh, Islamophobia. Um, and yeah, I've never, I don't think I've ever had anything out there that's been like, what can I, how do I put this? That's actually done something more than just entertain to a certain degree. I don't think I've, I've ever felt that level of like, oh, wow, we, we really did something here with representation and we had something to say or, you know, um, yeah. So that's, that, that, that's been a, a big kind of like personal win for me is, is that reception. I imagine that's got to not not hang heavy in the sense that it's you know a pre- well uh, let me put it let me put it this way oh no I know what you're gonna it's a it was a fucking pressure it yeah was, it, it's yeah, got to be no, real seriously. pressure right this mm-hmm. is this is something that I've not I've you know I've been completely honest about midnight mass for me was fucking terrifying and I had unf- I stupidly I I don't know if it was stupidly but from the minute like when when Mike uh spoke to me and pitched me midnight mass and offered me the role my heart said yes but my brain was like why did you just do that and Mm -hmm. that was my experience almost pretty much until the show came out was you really fucked this up and and you've let down two billion muslims and Mm -hmm. you're not only representing muslims you're now playing in america there were so many things that i had just stuck on my shoulders and i was having these massive anxiety uh anxious panics about um an American cop, no less. And a cop during, you know, obviously a very kind of <laughs> unfortunate <laughs> period. Yeah, right. it, yeah, yeah. There's so, you know, it was a, it was a minefield, and the kind of and when so when I went through the scripts, I immediately started talking to my best friend, who you know I've known for twenty years, and uh, he himself is a Muslim, and we grew up together. We've also, even though I'm not Muslim we both were experiencing Islamophobia together. We were both quote unquote terrorists and labeled as such and searched and had our passports taken away from us at airports. So it was a very, it was an experience that I still related to, but we discussed Islam and, and, and I had said to him like, you know, what, what do you want to see? And 
that's kind of where that started from was okay well let's just let's just do this right let's just let's just do a, a clean hero mike had already nailed 99% of it i mean it was already thoughtful it was already great representation um so going into it i was already confident i was like i don't think people are going to be upset with this this i think i think they're going to like it and then we had our consultants come in and tweak and just you know turn up some of the 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 kind of accuracy on certain things um but yeah dude, like it, it's terrifying you know especially when especially when it's not your own you know like if i was muslim maybe i wouldn't have felt as much pressure uh it's it's you're, you're a guest uh right. and you want to do right by everyone so yeah it was but it's been it's been wonderful right i have to imagine the the classroom scene that you have is kind of the make it or break it moment mm. for you because that that seems to be what i love about that scene so much isn't how articulate he is in in getting across that's like listen we all believe Jesus existed, you know, we all believe this stuff. We all have all these commonalities. It's, you know, what you, it's not the fact that he's stating all, all the stuff um, in a way that people can understand is that you can tell in that scene that he's turning opinion. He's turning the tide a little bit, you know, by example. And that seems to be kind of the core of that character is, is he wants to show these people, you know, by example, by being a good person and by being a patient person. And, you know, that, try to change some of their prejudices a little bit. And and that scene I think is kind of the. Yeah, there was, a, he, the it's, a, it's a, he educates, he doesn't preach. He educates and right. tries to say, Hey, look, we're, we're kind of on the same side here. You know, um, it's a, it's a, he puts forward quite a, a fair argument um, and is immediately obviously uh, taken apart and twisted and, you know, Bev twists everything into, <laughs> right. into uh, her own, uh, well, thing. she sees the power dynamic shifting a little bit and can't have that. And Absolutely. I, I love that. I love yeah. that. Moment. And yeah. it, again, it's it's one of the first moments as well for 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 Kate and I's characters where you do see the outsiders. And despite right. like like despite Erin uh, being in the circle, she's not. The choice of when they have Kate and I connect, which I think probably is the first time those two characters really do sort of connect. Yeah, in my mind, anyway. Yeah, it, it's it's an important scene, and that was the scene that I got I I saw being shared the most amongst the community uh, as something that had never been shown in mm. Western media before, which is crazy because it's such a simple thing. But that's right. how kind of bad representation's been for Islam. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, that scene was 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 very special. Kate, we've—I feel like we've kind of left you out a little bit in the last ten no. minutes here, um, but I—I I, want to float something by one more midnight mass thing before we move on to the topic at hand, mm-hmm. um, unless Scott's got something else up his sleeve. Uh, yeah, I'm but, good, baby. I want to get to this. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Kate, have you seen this this theory going around that the baby is like still there? It, no, her baby's what? still there. No. What? there there's a theory on. that the ba- that the that the <laughs> this is the, I'm obviously spoilers. Wait, you where know, is it, the baby? Yeah, right. The, the baby's still in her tummy, but it's a it's a vampire baby now, and no, so there's no, a reason guys, why there's no, no heartbeat. No, and all that. no, yeah. no. This is okay. So here's the thing. One of my favorite things that happens when um, a show comes out is there. Mm-hmm. Are, is a ton of really smart people who come up with great ideas that I would have never considered. Like each of the crane uh-huh. siblings representing <laughs> a stage of grief. I'm like, Oh uh-huh. yeah, cool. This, sure. Just a big so fucking no. 
That baby yeah. that, is gone. That really breaks my heart, Kate. There's no vampire baby. I know you really believed it, Rahul. I know you did. And I mean, it's nice of them not to call you out as the person who <laughs> authored this theory. But the truth of the matter is Aaron was pregnant by her ex-husband and the bl- drinking the blood at communion made her body reabsorb her fetus. And she knows right. it wasn't a miscarriage because according to me and Mike and in the backstory of Aaron... She had suffered a miscarriage in the past, and she knows the difference. Right. And so that baby mm-hmm. is gone. It was gone. Her bo- and that's part of what happens on the mainland. They run the tests because when you are pregnant, there are certain hormone levels in your blood that is just your body creating new life. And those are all right. gone. Oh, my God. No, people. Well, no. there's also an u- ultrasound, you know, yeah. at some point, there's right? There's so. in there. <laughs> but this what is- about... No. Mid- Midnight Mass Season 2 is like, we just think about it, right? Okay, go on. I'm thinking. I'm here. I'm Ash here. falls, mm-hmm. right? That's how it opens, okay. right? Uh, yeah. Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline, Sweet. <laughs> the Neil Diamond, right? Uh-huh, and with you, as with you. it cuts down, and then Aaron is there, post being consumed by the angel. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. And then the camera pans across from Aaron to the dress, and a baby comes out, almost abseiling on an umbilical cord. Zoom. <laughs> Right. But it's having, okay, so it's having a hard time though. It's trying to fly away, but it's still connected to it's me. It's still connected. So right, and so then it it, re- to, mm-hmm. it it produces fangs, bites mm-hmm. into the umbilical cord, smash cut midnight. You forgot one really important part, which is that after the baby bites through the umbilical cord, it needs to do a slow push monologue about how this happened. <laughs> <laughs> At least throw in a record scratch so we can he, – you're wondering how I got into this situation. Exactly. Yeah. This I would like, I would like to f- – I'm going to flip over this whole conversational table right now and throw this at you. Kate, tell me what mm-hmm. you think. Mm-hmm. Turns out Aaron's ex-husband, mm-hmm. not a vampire. She's not a vampire, but he was a werewolf. Stop. And it's a werewolf baby. Now we're talking wait, werewolf-vampire hybrid. Let me hold oh, on. What if yes. – what if – what if? He's not a vampire. Also, mm-hmm. not a werewolf. What if he's a Republican? <gasps> okay. I know. I know. And I'm not making a judgment on that, but I want to get some of this representation <laughs> stuff. I feel like Republicans need some solid representation in media right now. They need mm-hmm. an image rehabilitation. And so it's a step up to be of a vampire baby. A vampire a werewolf. Can we, can we call a vampire Republican. werewolf Republican baby. Also, seen, it's been mummified, folks. Let's keep it going. Let's keep totally this ball good. rolling. Mm, mm, and, everything and Mike works. likes to cast. Like Mike has such a great eye for casting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, mm. You know, you get like Kate Sackoff, Michael Truco. Like Mike's steeped in the kind of you know mm. genre, sci-fi genre world. What if your ex husband, uh, your ex husband, is played by Dean Cain? <laughs> <gasps> I so it's a super dream. werewolf Republican Su- vampire baby, Mummy but a CGI, a CGI, CGI. D- Dean Cain. So you don't have to have him on set. Oh wow! I mean, I think you guys, this is a hit. I've never heard of such a hit. I'm finally going to get Mike that right People's now. Choice Award that I've wanted my whole career. It's the award oh, yeah, of you've the been people. Robbed. I know. I know. I'll Wait, get the award. The of the people. No, that's the um, Nickelodeon Awards. The People's Choice Award is is the award of the people. It's a communist <laughs> acting award, and I need it. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, if USA Today were an award, that's what it would be. That I wanted so, very badly. Extremely <laughs> cool, prestigious. I'm, 
I'm sort of gutted. Real talk. Like I'm, I'm this isn't a bit. Um, <laughs> I always feel like being a person of color, like we get patted on the back for like the bare minimum as part of like a real big push through white guilt to be like, mm-hmm. good on you, buddy. Look at you doing. And the fact that I've gone this long and been in some incredible shows and not just got some weirdly named representation award yet <laughs> is really fucks me off. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't yeah. disagree. Right? Like, where's my brownies or whatever you could like. What? I don't know. I just made up. A, I'm sure there's one. Feel, the brownies. You guys, you know? I feel <laughs> really like we're on dangerous ground and I have no answer to anything he's saying right now. <laughs> That's why he's saying it. It's to, to shut us up. Yeah, thoughts, guys? <laughs> no, just take that ball okay. and run with it, dude. You go, you go, so sir. This you is go. Let's stop talking about brown people. In fact, people. I'm going to take a bathroom break while you figure that out. On the yeah, let's, we'll stop <laughs> yeah. talking about brown people and move on to the uh, movie we watched. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is going to be such a delightful dance. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's throw in a little, a little backstory here. We had a poll somewhat recently in the last few months where we let our listeners determine what what title Kate would choose well what Kate would be forced to endure on her next appearance on this show and I've already forgotten what it, what the fuck did we talk secret about window. Secret, secret window, window. yes window. of course with the cock holsters and Johnny Depp <laughs> corn Johnny Depp. I and Johnny his braces. Depp and braces you can't eat yes. corn with braces it's the one thing <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Johnny Depp, corn, never it. hearing the word Ugh. no. Also, why does everyone oh, like Jesus. to torture me? What is it about me that the general public <laughs> and my husband like to see me suffer? <laughs> Don't answer that question. Mm. <laughs> Raul, thoughts? <laughs> you, you sc- honestly, Kate, you give good scream. Um. Like, no, but you know the the boat thing? I mean, it played oh, yeah, over that's the credits. True. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, a great I, moment. you know, we're friends. And when I heard you do, like, my heart, just fucking broke. Oh, man. You just, it's a good scream, isn't it? Just want to see you get tortured. They do. Everyone yeah. likes to see me in trouble. All right. And just Mike also like that vampire werewolf mummy Republican uh-huh, baby uh-huh. crawl out of her. Then you're going to hear some screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, we, you know, we're finding out like now that, you know, Mike's amassing this, this kind of, you know, plethora of work you're starting to see patterns evolve you know the suffering mm. that he puts kate through the his disdain for cats apparently yeah. um <laughs> i i've only i realized i i have a common denominator between only two projects and it's dead women i, I i'm mm. in love with dead women i don't know what that's about but i've, <laughs> no, I've not had we a, love to see you in love but the internet needs you to be available and a necro f- uh, am I a necrophiliac? Uh, no, that's no. You just miss people. Jesus Christ, man! <laughs> no, you're, no, yeah, you're, you're gearing up, up to get hired for a Christopher Nolan movie. Is what oh, that? Is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, if, yeah. If, if, if Owen had hooked up with um, Hannah Gross or even Kiss, that's necrophilia. I guess technically, because she's dead. Yes, Isn't that would have been. Yeah. Necro- wow. Kiss your mother. Who? Who? Mm. That's that necro- necro- charming. <laughs> But so yes, so we they wanted the internet wanted to torture me with Secret Window, and they did. But they did but on that list. One, yes, on that list, there uh, one of the options was a movie called No Smoking, which is a 2007 Hindi language Ooh. adaptation of Stephen King's Quitters Incorporated, uh, which we only became aware of once we were doing this show. I had no idea this even existed. I also would like to um, jump in here and put a flag on you using the word adaptation. 
<laughs> that's it's bold. mostly an adaptation. It's it an is adaptation. A gesture at. Yes. It is no credit, by the way. Did you notice? I didn't see yeah. any any Stephen King name in the credits at because any point. Because the only crossover thought is, what if someone tried to stop smoking? <laughs> <laughs> The listeners did not pick no smoking, despite the fact that Kate and I were kind of rooting for this one mm-hmm. to uh, to take off. Didn't get there, so we did secret that's a, window. That's democracy, baby. Disgusting. And so the <laughs> next thing was that uh, w- you know we had Kate on the show. We talked about secret window, and she said that she could probably get Rahul to come back with her to do no smoking and announce that that's the title we were going to do since that's the one she really wanted to do. And mm-hmm. boy, did we all watch no smoking. In the last few days, it and was. I would um, like to give us all a round of applause because it's not easy to find that movie. Mm-mm. It is no. not. And no. so we hunted it down. You have to Pulled do a special strings. special edition on Amazon Prime to subscribe to. Is it Enos? Enos. Eros. 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 And then Eros you have to watch now. it, and then you've got to be there with it for almost two hours. You have to do this. It was two hours. It more, felt more much longer than two hours. Much longer. <laughs> I just want to say, by the way, because, you know, the internet has a way of finding things and picking things apart and putting in, you know, things that aren't there, writing their own narratives. The reason right. I was asked to do a watch of No Smoking, the only kind of Hindi sort of mm-hmm. Stephen King loose adaptation, is because I'm a smoker. Yes. That's the only reason. Uh, so I'm just putting that out there. That's why I was asked because I it's can true. give a chain smoking perspective. Oh, and I have a six pack. That's yes. true. <laughs> that played you a big often, role. And you do, you do look role. at yourself in the mirror. Wow, a that lot. And I tell people to, to shut up smoke. in an Indian accent. And I say, uh-uh. get out, watch TV, make me breakfast. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I want to jump ahead. Cause like, I'm, we're not going to talk about this, this movie narratively because that's our job. But <laughs> I, it was like a twist to me. When they were like, the woman also is the secretary. <laughs> At the end, I I thought I was I was being racist because I was looking, going, I think it's I did the, too. That looks the same, like the same woman. Did. But I'm like, am I racist? I I'm think a, I'm a racist I thought now. I was, and so like, I was like, no, it's two different actresses. Wait, that was the same woman. And it's yes, a whole yeah. twist that like that's a sex game. I legit play. thought that was a different actor. Annie, no. Annie and Anjali are the same person. And I just want to say I went through the exact same thing where I was like, no, fuck this bullshit of we all look the same. I'm not doing that. Right. I need to know that this is a different actor. <laughs> right. And, and it was and it and it wasn't. No. Yeah, it's a plot point at the end, like when he makes yeah. the final call or whatever in the dream i thought that was just part of the fucking confused narrative shit that was going on for the last 30 minutes of this movie where i had no idea what was going on did he actually buy all those plane tickets was that real (laughs) (laughs) yeah and he went to the middle of nowhere which was looked like africa or something like a sewer line running through the desert so a manhole cover could be there so right when look if somebody dropped we're way off the beat I know, path I'm here so and like no, no one knows what the fuck we're talking about okay no okay. But, but but i do want to say that if <laughs> i had gone to the lengths that the 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 uh protagonist of this movie went to to be hidden Mm. which involved buying up plane tickets to every conceivable route to every conceivable location he could go to and him not even knowing the final destination in order to keep it uh, a secret from, let me check my notes here. Baba Bengali. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I think when the car drops me off in the middle of the desert to have that smoke, 
if there were a fucking manhole cover right underneath my feet in the middle of the desert, I would have been like, I think I see where this is headed. Yeah, but you're (laughs) bringing a gun to a knife fight right now. You're applying logic to this movie. That's Mm. where you've gone wrong. That is is fair. And it's even more... Go ahead. Oh, it's even it was even crazier than that because it's not just him buying a random ticket to a random destination. It's he's buying a random ticket to a random layover destination where there'll be another random ticket to yes. another destination. It's like the amount of money that they keep talking about that he keeps scoffing at having to pay must pale in comparison to whatever the fuck you know. I, I buy plane tickets all the time. They're not cheap, but he can't <laughs> get one rupee. <laughs> he can't do the one the one rupee we should pause uh, here and go through yeah, the plot um, <laughs> for any good luck sir for before anyone was, for anyone who's not do, gonna oh uh, yes we have you, to say something for the audio because they won't know this we have to get this out of the way before the plot just to set the plot yes, yes. the two leads are fucking gorgeous <laughs> yes that's a, one good thing it, it was very easy to watch very easy there is a lot of hotness on screen in this movie there is yeah I like a lot the of Bob lot Fossey. of sexiness, a lot Bob of bossy cafe. Oh yeah, very <laughs> very a very horny cafe. Oh, I don't man. I don't like the way their neon sign was laid out. I have I have issues <laughs> with the kerning on that, and I think that it it you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's just a personal thing mm. that I'm going to have to deal with. But yes, we do need to talk about the plot. Typically, we allow our guests to explain <laughs> what the story is about. So. Um, since this is a double header, I'm just going to stand back and let y- y'all to explain what this is. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. So whoever, whoever, well, ladies first, Kate, if oh, you want to lead it so off. Sweet. And- Go on, Kate. So sweet. <laughs> you got this, Kate. So, I- <laughs> yeah. I'd, and I'd like, uh, it, when, you, when you talk about the characters and dialogue, I'd like you to do the voices. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, no, I'm barely going to be able. All right. So here we go. There's a guy. Once once upon a time, there was a guy. And uh-huh. this guy smokes constantly. And I need you to like capitalize in your head every single letter in the word constantly. He's in the bathtub, he's smoking, and he likes to watch himself smoke on TV. And he hates his wife and his life and his friend who may or may not have crossed eyes. Did that guy? Was he, that a th- I had to double check this because I didn't want to call out something if that yeah. was a was real condition. Was he looking condition. at the wrong eye on the lens? Yeah. He... That actor does not have crossed eyes. Okay, good. I don't know what the correct well, that was. doing that as a character choice. That's okay. character choice. But I also like to tell you guys, like, just in terms of a film actor thing, if you are doing a scene with someone and they are standing next to a camera and it's your coverage, you need to look at the eye that is closest to the camera or else you will appear cross-eyed on camera. It's just a <laughs> just like a basic what? role. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. And so, yeah, or you play tennis if you don't pick. Your, yes. eye, your pupils do tennis. And so you have to pick an eye, and it should be the one close to camera. Um, there's a scene in Midnight Mass that I want to go back in time and smack myself because I picked the wrong eye on my scene partner. Huh. But this guy apparently only picks the wrong eye and then maybe watched dailies and decided to double down on this choice. <laughs> well, I think he picks the middle of his co-star's <laughs> nose <laughs> with both eyes is what it looks like. So he's, this is a friend of a man who smokes a lot, mm. and he, uh, he, I don't. I, and then he's gonna, he's gonna try to quit smoking. <laughs> and, well, um, yeah. You're gonna have to take it, take it, boss. I don't know. Okay, so yeah, so he smokes a lot, and he's he's horrible to his wife. 
Mm-hmm. And his wife is almost done with his smoking. It, I think, was was they having sex and he started smoking during, or he, um, they implied I that have, it's I even ruining questions. their sex life? Yeah, I had a question about that scene because she said no. And then we're on a close up of her hand. And then her hand clenches into a fist for like three <laughs> seconds. And then he coughs a bunch, but she hasn't taken off her robe, but he's really sweaty. Like, I don't, did mm. they have sex? <laughs> You guys, I'm sorry yeah, we can't the plot he, of this, but my interpretation of that was he was, for lack of a better better term, hitting it from the back. But oh, but she, oh, oh, then that's that's rape, you guys, because she said no, thank you. Mm. Oh, then perhaps not, because I didn't yeah. get that vibe from the scene. I, I thought either. she was going to like, I want to go to bed, and and he was sort of horny, and then one thing led to another, but then. You know, it's over very quickly, and mm-hmm. he's also super sweaty, and yeah, I don't know what was going on there, I guess. But anyway, so his life is in shambles. He's a possible yes. rapist. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, and- yeah, and then and then in the morning, he's like, breakfast now, and she goes, <laughs> yes, sir. I don't know if you remember uh-huh. that. Yeah, the um, yes, sir. Yeah, and then, I, and I just want to put this out there. I am a, a chain smoker. I've never seen smoking like this in a mood. The depiction of smoking here, this isn't just a, this is, he's a fiend. He's forcing it in people's mouths at restaurants uh-huh. when they don't want one. I, I, I don't, it's, anyway. That shit was so crazy. Right? The guy goes, no, I don't <laughs> yeah. want one. So he assaults him. Like putting uh-huh. him in a headlock. For anyone that hasn't seen it, which is all of you, he's like putting <laughs> him in a headlock and trying to jam a cigarette in this guy's mouth. But don't worry, guys, because that's coming back at the end of the movie. That's going to make a full You're circle. Right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Kate, I didn't even pick up on that. You're so well, smart. I'm a really um, good writer. So He is basically told, like, he, his loved one's on the, uh, she's at the end of her tether. So she's like, hey, he gets told by a friend of his, I quit. And I managed to do it at this laboratory. Is that right? Yes. And gives him a business card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the laboratory. For a carpet place. Right. And he <laughs> decides to check it out after his wife leaves her rings behind and is basically left him. But she's right. his secretary. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Right? So she did it, but she didn't. Yes. She's decided to stop playing both wife and secretary and just secretary. <laughs> has chosen mm-hmm. secretary. Which isn't, yeah, if she wanted him to quit smoking, she should have also dropped the secretary part. So that's not, that's more of her bad, really. Yeah, she's Um, she's codependent for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So our six-packed hero, John Abrams, is it Abrams or Abrams? Not like J.J. Abrams, he's John Abrams, I think. John Abrams, He he goes and finds this carpet place, and then that's where he meets Bubba Yeager. No, that's John Wick. Bubba what? Bubba Bubba Bengali. Bubba Bengali. Bubba Bengali. Who has Kate, footage of him from his whole life, by the way. It's yes. like yes. you have this is what you've done. On VHS. On VHS. This is not the first time that this man's memories will play on a TV screen in the room he's in. That's no, not the last <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. It is right. the first time. Oh, and uh uh to tee you up, everyone is wearing hearing aids. We don't know why. Oh yes, they're all wearing hearing aids. <laughs> I like <laughs> the hearing aids thing. I'm realizing that this episode is going to be useless. To I'm almost so sorry. everyone listening, because it's so <laughs> you're right. There's no well, that's reflective no, of the film we watched. Yes, but again, uh, really I, generous I was a, by saying film. Really generous this, to say film. Listen, I like this movie. I think this was one of the favorite things that I have discovered while doing this show. The other one was that that 
Timekeepers of Eternity thing that Eric and I recently screened at uh, Fantastic Fest. Hmm. Um, that's still my number one. A very committed person somewhere over in Greece <sighs> printed out every single frame of the TV miniseries of the Langoliers in black and white on pieces of paper and then animated it, re-edited it, uh, stripped most of the score out and turned the Langoliers from a three-hour, very unfortunate miniseries into uh, a one-hour, uh, like, Twilight Zone episode blast of just weirdness. And it, it, it was incredible. I love that. This follows quickly behind because oh, it is wow. so it is so unexpected and so strange. But um, as we are talking about it, and I'm listening to to all of us talk about it, I'm realizing like I I don't think this is going to make sense to anyone, and that's that's fine. You know, we've not this, made though. sense to our listeners before. Right. I will say this that one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I trust you and Scott, like your your you Scott and Eric, your points of view are always different than mine. And I always learn something because you are absolutely right. Watching this was like watching a fever dream. It was watching mm -hmm. another yes. culture's film experience. And there's right. some animated uh, speech bubbles and it jumps through mm -hmm. time and realism isn't real. And there is a dance number in the middle and it is right. not the way that the and West at the end. and at the right. end, and it's not the way that Hollywood makes movies. It's not the way that I would make this movie but it certainly was an experience. So just to like sum it up. So this guy goes to see Baba Bengali. Baba Bengali. Baba Bengali. And he, the it boss. turns out the way that they're going to make him stop smoking is they threaten everybody he loves. The first time he smokes, mm -hmm. his brother who's in the hospital has to inhale a bunch of toxic fumes. And then the second time they're going to kidnap his wife slash secretary. And the third time they're going to kill him. Like it's really intense. And then you've got a situation that ends up being sort of sort of like vaguely related to the game, the mm -hmm. the movie The Game, where he's right. he wants to smoke and whatever. And in the end, I think I think he chooses smoking. He chooses to smoke. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. He's, well, it, it, it's he suicide. I think he's suicide uh, at the end whenever he lights up that last cigarette because oh, he's just yeah, so yeah, 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 he's yeah, he's just was. so desperate to prove that. Because yeah. it looks like he killed his wife and mm -hmm. and all the shit's happening and he's with the police and he's just going, You give me a pack of cigarettes, you know, I that phone will ring. You'll you'll hear about mm -hmm. uh my my brother dying and then it's like when that doesn't happen, oh, no, he's just no. like maybe I'll yeah. No, Eric, that's that's uh you're you're a bit ahead. That yeah. one was the third cigarette. That was the third, yes. Yeah, the third threat was his brother would die, and if you remember right. his brother commits suicide rather than in, <laughs> oh, in a very emotionally amazing. tough scene. Oh my God. The most yeah. Looney Tunes ass suicide <laughs> I have ever seen. A uh, fucking Wiley Coyote that. out here. He's Why like jumping off buildings. He gets hit by a car and then he grabs onto <laughs> fucking An electrical pole. Yeah. Electrical <laughs> yeah. Wires. yeah. He slipped on a banana peel and to he slips death. Yes. Yeah. That was the way. It was the banana peel. And this was the emotional <laughs> scene. And then right. When it happens, he gets the phone call. He goes to police, told you they'd kill my brother. Like, it, there was just no reaction to it. And the they're like, the, no, he committed suicide by banana peel. <laughs> it's, it's a 10-minute set piece so involving weird. a series of Looney Tunes-esque suicide attempts. Well, he, here's the thing. I don't know if you guys have watched a lot of um, Hindi film or, or Bollywood films, but they are all batshit insane like i don't think that there's one straightforward movie uh, that again might be my my uh 
ignorant speaking, but every single one that I've seen and and uh, I've seen, I'd say more than than the average Western guy, you know, and way less than anybody who actually knows what they're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, but like what's amazing about this movie and what's amazing about a lot of these, uh, uh, especially in the Bollywood genre, uh, <laughs> is they you watch them and it's like you're listening to Stefan on SNL describe a nightclub. <laughs> right yes. so it's like you know fingers that reattach themselves it has everything fingers yeah. that reattach oh, themselves no. cultist dwarves the russian army oh, into an infinite void <laughs> yeah it's like it really is just like <laughs> you can't tell what track, the hell's coming around the, the next corner they played the a laugh track, track yeah. over the flashback of being caught smoking when they were kids the origin story oh right. like how they when they give him a weird comb over too Did yeah. you that was that? amazing mm-hmm. Also oh, got confusing yeah. Holocaust imagery. Let's not forget oh, that. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my god, it's linked to Hitler. Yeah, <gasps> so no, much Hitler. At the beginning, she's watching the movie of the the women going into a concentration. Wait, the, and that's Schindler's shower. List. That she's watching the shower scene oh, from Schindler's god. List when all the women go in the oh, thing no. and she's I just outed myself as someone who hasn't seen Schindler's List. Ooh. <gasps> really? It's a rough, it's it's rough. I haven't. No. <laughs> I, I mean, have it, it's amazing. It's I it's just, an amazing film. I just can't. Film, I you know, you never sit down, you never like make your dinner and go, what should I watch tonight? Ooh, Schindler's List. Right. So. You need to get in your mindset, but I mean, just as an actor, just watching what Liam Neeson does in that movie is so next level. Like Ralph, it really is. Yeah. It's something where you appreciate it at the time is just like, okay, you know, that's it's a serious heavy movie and he does well, but like I don't know. I, I rewatched it recently, and I was just kind of blown away with with uh, uh, with what he does in that movie. So many layers. But anyway, go on. Yeah, I know what Kate's saying though. It's like he, that's a movie you see once. If you right. know, yeah, you know, if you can, if you can stomach it. No one is like, let's do, like there. There's no Schindler's List and chill. Like no, no one's no, no one's yeah. just throwing no that Schindler's on. For, oh well, uh, I'm going to cancel my <laughs> Schindler's List live tweet that I was going to do <laughs> watch party with my uh, Stan Twitter. Oh man, Sheriff Daddy uh, and Liam Neeson, oh, bestie, choke me. To go back to <laughs> <laughs> to go back to like one of the yeah. like the the point I was trying to make about six or seven days ago the <laughs> the, the earpieces. Yes, um, I I like this because um, it becomes almost like a body snatchers thing, where mm. like the first time you see it, you're like, "Fuck is this guy?" Okay, so they hired an actor who's you know, hard of hearing, but no, like then you start seeing it more and more. And then once he gets the fucking implants in, it's like, okay, so, well, I mean, you figured it out long before then, but basically everyone who's involved with this program is also wearing these earpieces, which are by the way, probably fucking tracking devices. Yeah. That's, I, that's this, what I kept thinking. But then oh I, yeah. I do want to address this. Like I'm trying to think about this in the way we've talked about previous King cast um, story versus adaptation. Mm-hmm. And it's again, it's real hard because this is not not an adaptation of what is one of my favorite short stories because it speaks specifically to the genius of Stephen King, which is a normal person tries to quit smoking and it frust- and like when I did it, it frustrated me and I got angry and annoyed and then I quit and I went about my life. Stephen King wants to quit smoking and his brain is so psychotically brilliant <laughs> that he comes up with this idea and the the subtlety of the program in the short story is amazing. And the way it just feels like it's everywhere and you don't know what's going to happen and he doesn't believe it. And the, the consequences are less severe 
they it works in a different way. It feels almost no. like it could be. Yes, the first cigarette no. they the first I'm cigarette they're up. gonna chop his. The first time he has a cigarette, his wife is um, pretty much put on a buzzed up floor. The second right. like they, we don't get to people getting their fingers chopped off until okay. way later. Okay, in the story. The very okay, okay. Right. Now hold on. Oh, you're saying you're saying a buzzed up floor that makes it sounds like a joy buzzer that someone had <laughs> to touch. It's a fucking electrified fence that is a floor that someone's trapped in a room with, and they just. But shock it's not. The shit de- out it's, of them. But they're talking that when they describe it with the bunny, the shock is not a, a level of like it's not going to singe her flesh. It's a shock, like equivalent to if an animal has a shock collar on its neck and they put it there and it's uncomfortable and painful and she didn't like it, obviously, but it's not, I'm putting your brother in a gas chamber. Right. And so it's a little bit more and she's, I mean, but like you can't compare the two things because it's not an adaptation of the story. And so I don't know. That's probably why it feels like this, this episode is a little bit wonky. It's, it's an <laughs> escalation of you know, maybe the, the rules established in Quitters Incorporated. But it's also like, okay, so there's Quitters Incorporated. Then there's the segment from Cat's Eye, right? Right. Which I think, you know, kicks it up a notch to make it a little more cinematic. And then there's this version where it goes up (laughs) even further. My problem is not with the escalation of the rules that are laid down to to, to prevent you from smoking. Mm-hmm. The problem is that I had with it was that I had a hard time keeping track of the actual infractions versus mm. the actual punishments because oh, right. there's a point where this movie just becomes so hallucinogenic. You're not sure what you're seeing is real or not. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't, you know, like with, with cat's eye, you can say, okay, you had this cigarette. So now this happens. Another cigarette. Now this happens. You can do that in this movie up to a point. And then it just, it, it follows its own bliss and it's doing like (laughs) whatever the fuck, you know, uh, uh, the director wanted to do. And it's, it's, um, it becomes hard to follow, but I do think that it follows the same basic structure. They, they kind of mess up the infraction because the infractions are laid out. Like the penalties are laid out pretty clearly by baba yeager that's what i'm naming him now I can't that's, he's done but, he's baba yeager, yeah. <laughs> baba yeager. um yeah. but what happens is is and they they've done they do this a few times they take quite simple stuff and then they they kind of fuck it up so he gets out you know he's told okay so the first infringement uh infraction sorry is the doctor's mother is going to be harmed that was number one Mm-hmm. And that was hard. To, I was like, okay, so and it's the doctor of his brother, who's just had a lung, like a lung removed because right. he's asthmatic, which is, seems rather extreme. But that, so that was the first infraction: is we'll kill the mother of the doctor who's taking care of your brother. And then the second infraction, uh, the second infraction was, I think it was his. Who was the second? Was it his wife? No, it's his there brother. There was a second. Yeah, his brother the, in the his in brother the was the smoke third. chamber. No, I no, think his wife the third? was the third. I thought murdering his wife was the. Th- You'll never see your wife again. Was the third. Yeah, that's what I thought. When do they cut his fingers off? That see, and that's and that's the point, right? Because they never mentioned they finger cutting, and they never mentioned losing your ear, ear uh, your hearing. So well, we get out, and he, he he's given the rules. He he doesn't want to sign the contract, but he you know whatever he's he, he's forced to sign this contract, and then he's set out into the world with the new rules. 
at, and in the first sequence, he's driving in his car, he puts a cigarette to his lips and they blow his eardrums out with a big loud bang. Oh, right. Uh-huh. Which wasn't even told like that wasn't no. part of it. So already the, we're a bit- they also find him at one point, right? And for that infraction, then you you have to pay your your fee again or whatever. Yeah, and the, and the thing Which with the fee is the they they laid out quite clearly. The Bubba Yeager said he was like, <laughs> "Look, here's how much you've." And this was actually a really well done part where they right. and it and it actually spoke to me again as a as a huge uh, professional smoker. They laid out how much you've spent. In, not just in the cigarettes, but every match, every lighter, every ashtray, every mm-hmm. medical bill, every every cough drop you've needed. Mm-hmm. This is how much it's cost you, and we're only charging you half that, which was still a lot of money. And I that hit me, and I was like, oh, shit, that's a fair point. Like, he's going to continue to spend this kind of crazy money, but he can spend half of what he's already spent and be free of this burden. Now, would and you do it? He, no, fuck no. I love smoking. <laughs> I'm him. I'm him. Get make me breakfast. But but like he he, he like yeah. What if they beat they, me so up? They, Wouldn't you be sad? That's true. Yeah. I uh, yeah. That is fair. But he he he. They they so they put this. They laid this out. And again, it's they do this in the movie so often. So I was like, oh okay, I'm on board with this. That makes sense. And then out of nowhere. He puts one to his lips, they blow his eardrums out, and then they charge him the same amount twice. So he's already now spent the, the whole money thing loses uh-huh. its Do you know what I mean? And I was like, well, he's already now paying double and they're forcing him to. Um yeah, it was it's it's a mess. But I then, took that I took that as a warning, like them just flexing. Like we'll charge okay, you again. We're not gonna we're, yeah, yeah. And and blowing out his eardrums. Like, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna count this as one of your four strikes, but also we're going to take your fucking ability to hear and uh but what's crazy about that is is that that's that wasn't improvised right that's something that every single person who leaves that laboratory <laughs> gets because they're all wearing hearing aids that anyone who's been there so they all got their eardrums blown out on their first one and weren't told about but it but they all got warnings the one guy has fucking missing fingers mhm he does like it follows the the internal logic of the movie that Anyone who goes into this program program tries to get away with it at least once. Yeah. And so so my the, my my interpretation was that the first quote unquote offense is re- you're getting a warning. And that's and the warning ju- shot. Yes, exactly. Right. And okay. and just to clear this up, I look I, I've looked this up as we're talking about it. Offense number one in this movie specifically mm-hmm. is Almost killing a loved one by keeping him slash her in a chamber full of cigarette smoke. The person, this is poorly worded. This is not the the sort of razor sharp attention to detail I expect from Wikipedia. But (laughs) almost killing a loved one by keeping him, her in a chamber full of cigarette smoke. The person has smoked in his entire life for a duration of five minutes. Which is to say, like, you know, the amount of cigarette smoke the the Mm. member of this club has, has smoked. Offense number two, losing a finger. Offense number three, death of a loved one. Offense number four, taking the soul of the person from his body, although this offense is described very loosely. Yeah. But what they fucked up is they never took his fingers. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that's weird. And they speaking of the fingers. Especially because there's a post credit scene. Do you think they didn't where, have the budget? 
and they well, couldn't they do the CGI fingers, fingers the whole they way had, through. They, they yeah. had magic reattaching fingers. Yeah, which, and they showed mm-hmm. us taking I, the other guy's fingers, so we must have this, been able to. This was this was the thing I liked about the movie, though, was, you know, I, I like the magical reattaching fingers thing because it's just so fucking weird. But mm, I right. also like the idea that there are people in the program competing with one another to bring in new people to the program in order <laughs> yeah. to get pieces of their body back. Scream. Yeah, body yeah. Bliss, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a fucking great conceit. I really thought, I really thought his friend who had technically betrayed him because he you know he offered the program knowing he what hell he was going to put his friend uh, friend through but he did it for his own reasons mm-hmm. i thought that one of the incentives was that they would uncross his eyes <laughs> i'm <laughs> dead serious found out that that guy is not cross-eyed in real life no the act is not he's yeah it's a choice and again and i also choice. had to double check because you know you never want to make assumptions the uh uh I, i'm not i guess uh the little actor the little person mm-hmm. um that's not his real voice. No, no, he doesn't shit. speak in that octave. I had to double check before <laughs> but I they called never out that. Let, did choice. you see that he also wasn't wearing pants, which yeah, wasn't a thing until they picked him up? Yeah. So, like, was he not wearing pants the whole time? Under, yeah, he, like, I didn't even know he wasn't wearing. Yeah, yeah he, he was wearing, wearing like a little red diaper or yeah. something. What? Yeah. It was such that. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, there's some real misogyny and ableism and some fucked oh, up shit in this. Oh, absolutely! It's littered with it. Um, like so much so that you almost can't bring it up because it's constant right yeah and i'd feel and we I, i'd feel problematic going over these points just even uttering some of the things that that, right. that we saw in it um but yeah it's um there was another one with the with the with the little guy they made a comment about he he's little people make little mistakes right <laughs> was one of the lines or something but well, that's um, act, that was actually a really interesting part of the movie that it yeah. ended up going nowhere by the way where they mm-hmm. do make a mistake where they assume that or they, they uh penalize him for um uh, for smoking when a cigar is is forced into his mouth and attempted to be lit mm-hmm. uh by a character who was introduced in like <laughs> literally five minutes before and one of my, apparently introduced ha- in one of my favorite ways like who is this guy and why did he get such a parade I know. Yeah, and he just so starts speaking. He starts off speaking Spanish at the beginning of yeah. it, or something. Yeah, because he spent some time in Cuba. Yeah, which is where he he decided that he wants people to wait. It was to suck on a castrated infidel. Yeah, is the name of the cigar. That's right. That's yeah, the, the, the castrated name of the cigar, yeah. people. Yep. Don't Holy at shit! Me this with is that. so Don't much weirder me. than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. As yeah. I was watching yep. it, saying it out but, loud, but, it's. Hilarious. But it turns out he's like business partners with this guy and like mm-hmm. they're at a press conference and then they the guy like, do you just have to unwrap the cigar? You don't have to smoke. He's like, I don't smoke anymore. He's like, OK, you just unwrap it. And he unwraps the cigar and then they like pin him down. And it's a mirror of the scene earlier where he tries to uh, get his buddy, his cross eyed buddy to smoke. Um, <sighs> and he's just it, he like spits out the cigar at the last yeah. minute. But uh, they end up that's when his wife disappears and and. uh and like they cut to like he calls the uh, Baba Yaga and he calls him and is just like, oh, sorry, we, you know, we got you dead to rights. And he's like, no, it was never lit. I spit I spit it out. It, you know, mm. it wasn't my choice. And I spit it out before it was even lit. He's like, nope, nope. Sorry. As he's like cutting into his wife. Right. That's supposed to be his wife. Right. Or is it just a random? No, body I think it was a random. Just another random person. Body. Yeah. There's a lot of people yeah. in the program, Eric. <laughs> and also she yeah. was at the office she's the secretary she couldn't have been on the table how did he yeah, but, think but she was missing this is, I don't understand this is the part of 
this is the part of the movie where it gets weird and esoteric, though. This so, like, is the part. Yeah, I was gonna say well, this. No, part. no. Well, I mean, but no. This is where it goes from where it starts getting into like the souls leaving the body, and mm. and his soul is separate from this, and his dream at the beginning is his reality now, or that's his soul, see, you know, escaping or whatever oh, guys, the fuck's happening. You guys, you guys. Um, <laughs> yeah. But but uh, but I actually really like that 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 thing where he, they go and he's like no check the tape he's like we will but we've never been wrong and they check the tape and go like frame by frame and see it wasn't lit and he goes like we did Zephyr make a mistake film. yeah it was it was like you gotta run that that Kennedy assassination like an Olive Garden manager um, apologizing for fucking up your to go order but, but like so the funny. way he's he, the way he's talking about it he's just like we owe you one we you know this is a big fuck up on our part we're so sorry or as he puts it a little people making little mistakes mm-hmm. um but uh, I was like, okay, well, what's this? Is you know, what's this going to mean? What's the what's their version of of a comp or whatever you know that he's going to get, whatever credit he gets for for the uh, them instigating a, a step that wasn't deserved. Oh, I'll tell and you, that Eric, just never went anywhere. Fuck all, absolutely <laughs> fuck all. And it's and that you know what? Like I've never watched. This is the first. Bollywood film I've watched or Hindi film despite the fact that I am South Asian and 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 whatever this is the first time I've watched one and there are things in there that are culturally I was like oh yeah I'm used to that one of the things that infuriated me that that this movie did that is particular to this movie and I don't think is probably I don't want to just put under an umbrella of oh Bollywood's a bit wacky right was was like picking up threads and then just fucking leaving them and that was one of the ones that annoyed me was because i was like you're actually doing something here that's interesting the corporation's wrong the lab the laboratory's wrong here they have to take an l and what do you gain out of that what did you gain out of being disciplined of of doing what they asked you to do and for it to just be nothing and then his wife's taken and it never being addressed it was just such a strange thing to have like deviation that that had no payoff whatsoever and it actually annoyed me a little bit i love that in the midst of all this shit y'all are worried about the discount that he might get (laughs) (laughs) but i mean where was his fucking buy one get one like he should have gotten at least a gift (laughs) card out of this thing (laughs) right but i mean the whole thing is built on we a set series of rules and they are unbendable and unbreakable. So what happens when they break the rules? You right. know, like that, that is such an interesting mm. angle to this and an interesting angle to take to the original story that, uh, that never happens in the original story. Every time, you know, in this cat's eye, every time James Woods lights a cigarette, it, it, shit it's goes not, down. It shit goes down. It is never, they accuse him of doing something wrongly. And, and then they, you know, I don't know that, that to me was interesting. Another angle of this, I never bought that he was addicted to cigarettes in a weird way. Like there's so much cigarette smoking. What? But every but no no no. But every time he lights up a cigarette, uh, what, I'm talking about post the uh, sign up right where mm. where he signs up and then every time he lights up afterwards, it's not a compulsion. I have to have this. It is more of a I'm an asshole and fuck you. You know I'm gonna flaunt your rules. It's never like you never feel the desperation of the character going, I just want, and weirdly enough, not to prop up uh, the internet's favorite uh, boy, James Woods. You get that feeling with cat's eye, right? Yeah. You get that feeling that he just, well, just can't even with all the threats. He can't not, you know, try to smoke or he, the temptations there, you know, well, part of that is that the, the segment in cat's eye clearly takes place over the, the, the course of what a few weeks. 
Yeah. This seems to this movie seems to take place over the course of months. Mm. And and that time stretch really does like, you know, have a factor here, I think. Yeah, and he also uh, just just to boost what Eric was saying there, he also seems to take it in his stride. Because mm-hmm. by the time we get to the cigar and there's a jump, it's like he never has to smoke ever again. And he right. hasn't even had his second infraction yet. Right. So so it's like, okay, I got my eardrums blown out and the doctor's mum got gassed with cigarette smoke for five <laughs> minutes. And then he's cool. And then he gets his wife back and then it's the cigar fuck up. But yeah, at no point did it ever feel like this was an addiction that he and, and a compulsion because he's forced for the cigar that loses his wife. The next one is the only reason he lights up another cigarette. Oh wait, no. Why does he fly to, fly to the middle of nowhere? That's the what? What does he get oh, for doing right. that? That was another infraction, right? I think that was the first serious one, right? And what happened? What happened when he did that? What was the infraction for the because? Um, we're missing one yeah so when the guy pops up out of the sewer in mm-hmm. africa to bust him for lighting a cigarette what yeah what who gets who gets hurt don't they do something to his brother oh i'm, I'm getting i don't know oh yeah don't they kill his it, no is that when his brother commits suicide they gas his brother they, they gas, they gas his, brother his brother again yeah because they gas twice i feel like we there's like some the brother the brother head. technically i just want to point out the brother does not technically commit suicide oh, he tried to four to five times within the space of five minutes and failed <laughs> and yeah. got taken out by a banana will... peel and he should have succeeded by the way in each time that he tried oh, yeah. it, oh for it, sure it, it wasn't he jumps off of a like the whole story tall building <laughs> onto his head like lands on his head and just gets up and walks in front of a truck when that doesn't work it yeah. gets like it's fully so Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Nazi style run over by the truck. <laughs> it's like two frame Roger Rabbit shit. It is. He's a tune. He's absolutely a tune. You're a tune. I just like, like in my head, we all watch the same movie, but if you told me that each of us got a slightly different version of this movie, <laughs> I would believe yeah. we're all trying to piece it together right now. I mm-hmm. believe you that we all got different scenes and because like the things that you guys are pointing out and remembering, I'm like, I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. When did that happen? And it does. The whole thing feels like this crazy fever dream. And I have yeah. to imagine that that is what the director wanted. That it. Well, one thing I, I know, know the director did want, and I, 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 I did some poking around about this was that he cleared this through the Indian censors by, mm hammering the point that it was an anti-smoking film well and then, obviously with that first i have title to disagree card. with that and, i have to disagree uh, i watched this in eight well, different settings seating um seatings in one thing because it kept making me go outside for a cigarette it glorified <laughs> it for me well interesting rahul you're not wrong because right after the movie came out he was like yeah i was fucking around with them it's not an anti-smoking film it's not about that at all like that's that's not what this is about. That's just how I got this shit pushed through. Like he's on record as saying that, which mm, got to say, pretty baller. Love that little that little huh. that little huh. note in the production yeah. history of this. But as in terms of, you know, as as Kate was just saying, like each one of us watching it and not fully understanding what happened or having different interpretations. It's worth noting that I'm looking at the the Wikipedia synopsis of this movie right now. And it doesn't even mention the whole sequence where he 
flies all over the fucking world ad nauseum just to have a single <laughs> cigarette. Yeah. So I think that there's so much going on in this movie that you it's almost guaranteed that everyone watching it is going to walk away from it with a different, <laughs> right. you know, I hope everybody takeaway. watches it, though. I really do. I would rather watch yeah. this than Secret Window. I fucking <laughs> I, I really, really, really like this movie. Um, it really. Wait I, a minute. I, I think that might it be too. a bridge too far. Really, really, <laughs> really liked this movie. I don't know. I'm I mean, stopping. I'm, really, I'm stopping really just shy of. Sen- yeah. I'm 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 stopping just shy of saying loved because no, I'm not. I am. And I wish that I wish I could push it over that line, but I'm 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 just too baffled by that final 30 minutes. No, this it. is I I can't allow that to just float <laughs> out into the ether because like I really, 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 really like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. <laughs> I like but that movie this, too. You yeah, can but have you two can't things. put this on that level. This is a different thing. This is neither fact, an adaptation nor a narrative film. What, listen, what I'm not trying to. Uh, listen, I don't want to get into a, an Eternal Sunshine pissing contest with you. But how about this? <laughs> I love Eternal Sunshine. Okay. okay. And you're What's back here with movie? really, really, really liked. Yeah. I'm not listening to I your mean, take because I no, love it. And that, no, it's a full on manic pixie dream girl movie. Like I can't get there with that. That's what's going to hold Scott, me back. Scott, can I? Love. But can I refine ahead. for? Yeah. Can I refine what you said there, Scott? Yes, please, sir. I really, really liked watching this movie. Yes, mm. which okay, I think is different right. from liking the movie. That's how I felt. Like mm. I don't like the movie. It's a bad movie. Yeah. But I really enjoyed my time watching it. I agree with that. We um, haven't even touched on the fact uh, that this begins and ends in a completely different territory, a snow-covered land, out mm-hmm. in the middle of fucking nowhere, where the main, the where the protagonist is dealing with, are they Russians? Because they didn't subtitle yeah, either. For sure. <laughs> yeah, there's fucking. It's like it's like the 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 snow sequence from Inception just suddenly mm-hmm. shows up, and when it. When it started, it's got this weird. How the fuck do I even talk about this? Sauna. This movie is the weirdest thing to talk about. Like it's, it's got a weirdly shaped building out in the middle of nowhere. In was some that his snow. mind? Because of the ball. Yeah, stuff? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think that's yeah, his. He, he, talk, he talks about having this dream when he falls asleep in the bathtub. Right. Hmm. And, and and so this is, it opens with a dream and him getting shot while he's like running through. Uh, he escapes his little confines and the Russian army is kind of just laughing at him. And one guy is like, well, hey, you know, I actually have to stop this guy and shoots him as he's diving for a pack of cigarettes. And there's like that's right next to a bathtub. You know, so right at the beginning. <laughs> I yeah, think this is in a bathtub Nazis. I'm talking about sitting in the middle of the snow out in the middle of nowhere, right? right. And, and so right. and so he he always dives for the cigarettes and when he does he gets shot and that's what ends the dream. <clears throat> and uh, so like they say at the beginning it's like, well next time you have this recurring dream, I think it's his wife says it. It's like di- dive into the bathtub and see. Now the fucking therapist says that. Is it the therapist? Yeah, yeah. it's the therapist. Yeah, it's the therapist. I <laughs> think they they were supposed to be Nazis and they didn't have budget Understood. or the access Wait, you think to they were not yes i hope that's true i think they were i think because it oh. it's a, they keep talking about hitler and he refers to him as hitler's whatever yeah. friend you know what i mean and i think that was right. bollywood or this movie's best attempt at creating nazis well, the language. I think they know the difference, and and uh, this goes back to an uh, an episode that we did with uh, an author named Shiv uh, Ramdas. Yes, who he came in to talk about Woe, which is the uh, Hindi a- adaptation of It, 
which was a long running like soap opera style TV series that they did. Five episodes. Um, and he was in that episode. He dropped a kind of a bomb on me because I had no uh, understanding of this. But he's saying that in India, Hitler and Nazi culture is actually kind of on the rise. Hitler appreciation and Nazi culture. Jesus. What? And that the, and that the word Hitler is like synonymous with just being a badass. Yeah, uh, in, in yeah he, was, he was just to interject yeah. here. It wasn't so much about like the persecution of the Jews or say the mechanic. I'm saying what he he said. Mm-hmm. He's trying you know? to separate Hitler from the persecution it, of the I'm, Jews. I'm, I'm trying to separate. I'm trying to separate. Uh, I don't think it was a white power thing or a genocide thing. Mm. He was saying that. There is a fa- a cultural fascination with Hitler and even described like a store in the area he grew up in that was just called Hitler. And it sold like T-shirts and shit. It was just like a gift shop. And well, it, it didn't seem to have any idea, ide- any ideology. But it's all so the fun idea. because I knew we were going to step in something today. I knew we were. <laughs> and it would have never I'm ever late, occurred man. to me Don't that we were going to get. We're going to get to Hitler apologists and Hitler fascinations. I just never didn't have any money. Who is apologizing? No one's apologizing. We're all in agreement here that Hitler was bad. It it sounds like the Hitler stands. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm getting. The Hitler's daddy. Yeah. Yeah. And without really. uh, But I I didn't mean that they don't know the difference between a Nazi and a. I just meant that wardrobe, not having a swastika, whatever they did with the imagery. I think that was supposed to be this Nazis. movie's Maybe, Nazis. But That's I mean, what, there's I, definitely Russian writing in that scene, and there's vodka in there. Oh, which is, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, there is. Yeah. Oh, maybe they just I, stuck in some I, Russians then, yeah. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be Russians. But um, one thing I want to clarify before we leave the, the, the Nazi <laughs> part of this conversation <laughs> is is all this, all this came up uh, in that conversation about – we were talking about Stephen King's like uh, relevancy in in India. Like, mm. could, right, could right. they have essentially like? Can you walk into a bookstore and find a Stephen King book? And is that would people know that these people adapted a Stephen King book? You know, or, or not? Essentially, would would this culture know? And uh, and he was saying that yeah, that that's that's what introduced all this. Was he was saying like yeah, bookstores you'll find uh, you know a very few. Um, Western books, but you'll find a Stephen King, and he's like, and you know, weirdly enough, Mein Kampf, Mein Kampf is in every fucking Indian uh, like bookstore, and we were just like, what? And that's when he went on this thing saying like, yeah, right. Hitler is just term for being badass now, and we're just like, what? Even more Whoa. so, we're like, really? Yes, like that's the thing. So, so watching with all that in the back of my mind, watching this. Uh, a movie that we've already mentioned has a scene from Schindler's List on the TV at the beginning and ends with a gas chamber, uh, you know, Holocaust imagery, uh, which is to showing that his uh, his soul is being like st- completely stripped away from from his body. Like that is the last process where he turns into like the yeah. little invisible mm-hmm. uh, predator man or Eric, whatever. Eric, I have a question for you. Yeah. Uh, just quickly, what do you think cost more? The <laughs> rights to have Schindler's List on the screen or Black Eyed Peas shut up t- turning on the radio to, to shut up his wife? Shut up, shut up, shut, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Uh, probably the Black Eyed Peas song. 
That'd be my guess. I, I, well, the real answer is they probably didn't clear either one of them. Right? It <laughs> yeah. felt like, oh, yeah, yeah, it felt like they never had clearance. We should G them up for that. Which, yeah. which, by the way, there's a lot of like random Western songs in here. There's a lot of Sinatra. Yep. There's a lot of yes. uh, like Dean Martin. And matter of fact, the movie opens with three quotes. One's from Plato, one's from uh, uh, Socrates, <laughs> and the other's Frank Sinatra. Yes. So that's the kind of movie you know right at the beginning. You're, you're kind of in for... Wait, did you say Socrates? Isn't it Socrates? Socrates. Yeah, Socrates. Or I think the Greeks Socrates. pronounce it Socrates. Socrates. I'm not trying to blow up anyone's I, I'm, spot I'm here. pronouncing it the way, the way uh, he pronounces he himself in... The historical document, Bill and Ted. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. He introduces himself as Socrates. That's right. Okay. Yeah, fine, 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 fine. Um, also, the, like again, there's uh, it opens. I'm sure they have Hitler speech that we heard blasting over the speakers as right. well. So it also opens with a quote from Hitler and Socrates. <laughs> Wait, now I'm starting as to you like, do. rethink this whole movie. And like, uh-huh. as a really just a, a pro Hitler stand propaganda. Well, well can you defend the swastika? That? Turn no, it on. probably not. Take the swastika, turn it on its side. That's that's a Hindi a, a Hindu symbol yeah. that Hitler mm-hmm. stole it from from them. So they they're flipping it back. But there hmm. there was just you know it feels they're like <laughs> they're taking charge of the swastika. They're taking the swastika oh, back. That's probably what this back. is. I well, just, good luck with so that many, gang. I'm so far behind. <laughs> this conversation and then the book like just trying to keep up with the story of this podcast and the movie and the hitler references and and trying to not get canceled and this literally sounds like we're making it up as we go along <laughs> it really does. If this is like i'm looking around and all of the wheels have fallen off the axle i don't know what to say except yeah. that we really 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 liked watching it yeah, like, like what an experience we had. You, you see what I'm saying? You know, we can argue over whether or not it's a good movie all day, but like, what it's a thing! A what movie. a thing to have seen. You know, like, what and a thing to have seen. What a thing to have seen. I, I, I think there's value in that, and I think there's, I, I think there's a lot of value in an artist taking the the text of one thing and then transforming it into another thing through their bizarre fucking prism of whatever mm. is going on in their mind. There's there's probably shit going on in this movie that I, I just don't completely understand because I don't understand, say, I don't know, the geopolitical landscape of the country from which it came. You know, yeah. I'm I'm thinking about like a, a Serbian film, right? Oh, geez. Which, you know, I saw that once. I knew nothing about it and was like, <laughs> okay, so that's the thing I don't need to see again which mm-hmm. is usually the response to mm-hmm. a Serbian film. But, yeah, right. you know, in reading about it afterwards, I, I come to find out that the, the guy who made it was making a point about the government and, you know, the the trials and tribulations of the people in Serbia. And whether or not I interpret it that way, that was the, the artist's intention. And I, I find that kind of shit really interesting. This, to me, feels like a similar thing where it's a Rubik's Cube where I don't really understand how to solve it because, you know, it's not as simple as just lining all the colors up. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's more going on underneath the hood here than I think we are recognizing. And that, to me, makes it really fucking interesting and, and just a thing like, Jesus Christ, I would rather watch this again than, you know the next fucking jerk off like you know i don't want to dead name a specific 
Stephen King adaptation here, but like, you know, um, some lackluster, boring fucking by the numbers, you know, Stephen King adaptation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what made it interesting to me. Mm. Um, and I and I think there is value in that and it makes it worth seeking out for for Stephen King fans. Yeah, I think you're right from a certain niche, like from a broader cinephile perspective. Sure. I don't know how much I'd agree with the argument, but from people that are just obsessed with kind of absorbing everything that is directly influenced by King or indirectly influenced by King, it it becomes an interesting uh, side path uh, on that journey this one for sure okay well just for the average cinephile this isn't you know this isn't a uh, low budget production clearly a lot of money went into this it looks great and also some of the fucking production design here is really interesting you know there were Mm -hmm. there were moments in this movie where i was reminded of terry gilliam's work like fucking Mm -hmm. how much work do you have to be putting into something for me to be able to say well yeah that looks like clearly there's a Gilliam-esque influence happening here. You know, that's, that's serious shit. I really, I really respect your points of view and I find them very interesting and optimistic. I'm having a hard time getting on board with this with, I don't think it's, I did not experience the movie you experienced, Scott. I just didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't experience it. And it, maybe it is my lack of cinematic reference points or the fact I haven't seen Schindler's list. But or latent racism or I it could be. It seems unlikely. I tried to try to account for that in this. But (laughs) I don't this for me, the basic narrative logical structure of this movie doesn't hold up. And so if you can't do that, like if they can't pay off, like Rahul said, if they can't pay off the the laboratory messed up. If they can't pay off that really awesome narrative thread, if they can't connect the ideas of the of following their rules throughout the course of a movie, I don't believe that this filmmaker is capable of making the film that you're talking about. The man can't walk in a straight line. And so I can't believe that he's doing triple back handsprings with a layout. I really appreciate your optimism and I'm happy to go back and look at it again. But the two things I think you're trying to find patterns where they don't seem to exist it was a fun thing to watch it was crazy and wild really i i hear you but really i'm not trying to find things i would just say if i, I believe like no it. i do i believe you, know? you. that's I'm like and also and also to your point before. about the thing not following a, a a trackable pattern of logic you know what about what about david lynch movies yeah but david you know? lynch movies they have they have the structure that's there that you can point to. This movie is failing in sometimes its most yes, basic sometimes way. no. Well, yes, I, I guess I would have to go watch this man's entire catalog of film <laughs> in order to say because uh, did he follow the rules in order to break the rules? Are we dealing with a Terrence Malick where it's less of a film and more of a visual poem? I don't know his catalog, but if he's making uh-huh. a huge commercial movie, it seems like he needs. Even if you're talking about Mulholland Drive, which doesn't follow a lot of narrative rules, it certainly doesn't follow a lot of rules of cinematic structure. There is, and that's his most commercial thing. I know, but there are footholds there. He's showing you that he understands what makes a film. He is following his own rules in the movie. I don't believe this director was following his own rules in the his own movie. I agree with you, Kate. I'm going to have to. I'm I'm, I'm with you on this because 
my reader, I didn't, I, the thing is, I, you, you want to be fair, right? Like at the end of the day, I probably wasn't going to lay into this movie because I didn't take it seriously because I didn't feel, feel like it took itself seriously. Mm. Um, but in the, in the, in the realm of fa- fairness, I don't want to just say, because for my own prejudice and bias, I don't want to just write off something that I don't understand. Like it's a right. Bollywood mm-hmm. movie. So I don't want to be like, well, right. what do you expect? Right. I don't want to do that. I, I want to give it the same kind of, um, I want to treat it the same way I would a, a film we would have seen in the West, for instance, right? I think that this director didn't have a clear vision. I think there was a lot of copycat shots. I think a lot of it was, this will look cool. There was no real continuity for anything. Narratively, um, the performances were just surface level, which is why we never got any any kind of desperation or, or real kind of layer from from our lead other than just looking cool and smoking all the time and i i have from what i the little i have seen from from movies in bollywood and a lot of other country we do this too you know we do this with korean cinema hong kong cinema we all we all borrow and share and and spot i think there was a lot of copycat just this is cool i've seen this in this thing this is that it's just sort of like slapped together like a fan student student film. Uh, that's what it felt like to me, and it didn't really have anything to say. Hmm. It was shit, but I really loved watching it, and it humored me. <laughs> you know, shit things can be fun to watch. That's it. It's like it's shite. It's a terrible film. If 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 we really did sit here and wanted to dissect it on every level, we could destroy it. But you know, it was fun. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think you're wrong. You, you know, you're not, neither one of you are really raising points where I'm like, you know, I, I can factually undermine that. That's, that's a matter of interpretation. It's a matter of what you respond to and what you don't. I felt energized by seeing something this fucking strange at this point in the show, after all the shit we've seen and, and so much of it is, is by the numbers. This felt like such a fucking curveball that I really appreciated it. So certainly with, better than well, I think we're only debating. Yeah. Are we only debating the fact whether that was intentional or not? Because I think that's what, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like it's a curveball <clears throat> because it's badly made, rather than hmm. it's a curveball because we wanted you to, we wanted to really kind of huh. mess with you. I think that's I what think, Kate and I, I are debating. I, I think the wrinkle here is that I might say, I might prefer to say that it's poorly written than poorly made. I think it's but a well-made movie. It, I, I think can just it's tell just, you, like, from production standpoints, it's not. He's crossing the line all the time. His continuity is off. His lighting isn't motive. Like the, it's you can't you can say that it was an interesting interpretation of a script, but the movie itself is not well hmm. made. Like just in the actual uh, nuts and bolts of filmmaking. Yeah, might I mean, be very true, get- but also I'm not looking at it from a production angle nor am i looking at it from you know an investor angle or 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 any of that just as a viewer i I don't know i'm I'm willing to be the odd man out on this one and (laughs) and i won't discount anything you're saying i anybody here Uh, i just think that um i think i found more to appreciate than everyone else and that's that's fine you know i mean it 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 that's does the whole point of be. art, right? Is that we all should right. have yeah, different totally. points of view. It is a totally. lens yeah. through which we view reality. And my opinion does not have more weight or less weight than yours. And it's it's what makes this podcast so interesting and special is that there are you often bring together people who have different, because of their knowledge of King's right. work or their knowledge of film production or their talent or expertise, you get a lot of these very equivalent but very different 
points of view. And that's what's right. cool about the conversation. That well, is also, that is true. I am, it's also I will I'll just also add that a lot of the time I feel like we are in um in agreement with the guests. So I am fucking delighted to be uh, in 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 a in a debate about a movie. Like right. mm. yeah. How, yeah, I mean it's not a often rare that, thing on the show. It's not often that even Scott and I disagree on on stuff too. And then so we kind of relish when it happens. Like right now we have what from a Buick 8 and the reading order order of the Dark Tower series. I think that those those are our two arguments that Wait, that, hard uh, question. Scott and I Sorry. Have. What's your reading order? Oh Jesus. You, we, we're not doing we're this again. Here for two, we're not fucking half, doing this I, again. Will you guys just text uh, the, me later and let me know? The, the, the sh- I'll do it. The short version is that I think that in order for the series to have the full weight, you have to kind of go through the more rocky first book until you get to the the blockbuster second book. And Scott's position, I believe, and I'm going to state it here and you can correct me, is that for some readers that you know for sure will get thrown off by that first book and the kind of the odd pacing and the serialization kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, thing of it that you might want to start with drawing of the three because it is the more uh, engaging hook. That's what I did. Um, That's I am. I completely agree. I didn't, I never met anybody else. I know I've never met anybody else who has the same opinion of me, which is that the first book is the last book. Well, 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 who hasn't been listening to the King cast? Because, <laughs> we, <laughs> I, love I have two kids book. and I'm in constant production. I love you. I love the first <laughs> yeah, book. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and and it, it's fine. It's fine for that to have been your your truth. Doesn't excuse the fact that you're ruining your experience for it. I but that's fine. That. Rahul loves the first book, right? You love the first book. Yeah. I'd, uh, everyone was like, "Hey, it's it's tough. It's a tough read. It's this. It's that." I I I, I loved it. I I, I went I went I'm back a big through Western it recently. Fan, so. Yeah. When I went back through um uh the the first couple of books recently, like I kind of built it up in my mind that the first book was very impenetrable. And like maybe I just like it because I like, you know, Dark Tower stuff, but I was reading it going, this is very straightforward. Mm. You know, there yeah. it doesn't get like weird and metaphysical until the very, very, very end, and we're talking like ten pages of the book. No, I I I, I found it. I mean, maybe I'm it was just coming off a bias of being so in love with the western genre so as soon as the you know as soon as he's sort of walking through i was already there i think i was already on board rather than i didn't have my i don't know i didn't need to be won over so much i was like oh gunslinger i'm in um (laughs) you know i'm a i'm a huge clint eastwood fan and well man with no name fan but um yeah, so I, I I didn't have the same issues I think other people did. I just was I was super happy and along for the ride for that one. And well, I'd like do to we have anything else? And apologize oh, yes. and say that I do actually listen to every single episode of the King Cast that I'm on. <laughs> yes, <that's true>. <laughs> <laughs> Which is about two thirds of them at this point, I think. And I, so and that, I want to get the through a backlog, but I certainly didn't mean to be dismissive and say I couldn't possibly listen. No, I of course very much we don't expect anyone to listen to everything. That would be absurd. I think a good thing came out of this podcast. Yeah. And that's the, I, I think that Kate and I will get in Mike's ear stereo style and we'll do an adaptation of no smoking. Kate and I <laughs> love it uh, with Mike directing and do King justice. I actually think it would really work with you as I the husband and as well. me as the wife. Yeah. I think we could do it, Kate. I really, I know do. I'm not kidding. I actually think it could be a really compelling short, like a little slice of life. Yeah. Rahul, well, what, what do you feel about all the, uh, we're transitioning now into the uh, stuff you've got coming up section oh. of the show, but 
how do, how I do feel you about feel about Bond? <laughs> how do you feel about people fan casting you in shit all the time? That also feels like its own kind of pressure. I mean, uh, I've got I'm I'm kind of conflicted with it. It's look, I I got into this because I adore film, and as a kid, you know, you you couldn't tell me I couldn't be Bruce Wayne, right? Like I I pretended to be Batman, and I didn't see an issue with it. And because being in my thirties now and having people start campaigns for me as Dr. Who, Mr. Fantastic, John Constantine, James Bond, that really touches me in a way that I don't even think they realize. Like, right. It's what it speaks to. It speaks to me on such a deep level about what, representation you know how i felt about just being in a, a kid in a candy store and wanting to be all these wonderful characters despite their you know the difference in in origin on the other hand it opens up just abuse that i don't open that, that i don't mm. invite so mm. i can then read shite about myself about my ethnicity in a not just even ethnicity absolutely it opens up dialogue about ethnicity but it also then just puts me in a place of 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 criticism where two people are fighting over my fucking career and that does get to me sometimes because i'm it's 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 done so often and it's done in articles sometimes where they're like you know i i I put up today a video of me doing a heath ledger impression only because i saw that you were you killed that by the way oh thank you man i only put it up again i only put it up because uh, I was just so excited for the Batman trailer, the Matt Reeves one, and and well, I was watching the, you know, I I got Batman excited, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna just, uh, you know, I didn't to think think twice about it, <laughs> and it goes Rahul, you know, so people start adding Matt Reeves, and they're uh. like Rahul for for, and it turns, it looks like I'm panhandling, it looks like I'm out here begging for jobs. Trust me, I'm not. So it's it's sometimes so I'm always at odds with it because I'm like, yo, I, I'll do what I want to do. There are projects that. I really want to do. I also don't like, and I think I spoke about this before. I don't like the idea that like, that's my sole fucking ambition is to wear tights. Like there are so many wonderful roles. Like Sheriff Hassan Mm. is my comic book character. He is my superhero. He fucking has this, he wears double denim and he punches vampires in the face. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That's my version of that. And so, yeah, look, it's, it's lovely. I, I'll leave it on a positive. It's encouraging to me that the internet themselves seem to be really on board with me playing these characters. And that says something that, that they are legit. And and the fact that they are, are, are literally throwing me in for everything and neither one of the characters bear a resemblance to the other. You know, do you want me to be Bond or do you want me to be Doctor Who? Do you want me to be Fantastic Four? Or do you want me to be John Constantine? Like, mm-hmm. That just says that I don't know if it's about range. I don't know what it speaks to, but I think it's wonderful that that people believe in me like that. So that's the positive side. On Sorry a practical for the level, answer. would you would you take on a role like, say, Bond or Mister Fantastic or or one of these kind of roles that would involve you signing a contract to you know basically be at their beck and call for X number of years? Um, yeah. If I were an actor, I would be very worried about that. Anytime a con- like I'm fucking nobody, and any contract that comes my way, I'm like fuck. I don't want to be. I don't want to yeah. be committed to as simple as a social contract. Like 
you know, hey, I got a party going on on this date like two months from now. And I'm like, yeah, I'll see if I can make it, you know, much less. Am I going to show up for like, you know, six, two hundred million dollar movies across a decade? I I think that would be a difficult decision to make. Like, would you be willing to make that choice? Well, well, Kate and I, as actors, will tell you that all we ever wanted back in the day was job security. Sure. And when you hear six year deal, seven year deal, trilogy, you're like, yes, please. And you want it so badly because the last thing you want is a one and done, right? You just, you don't want your pilot to not get picked up. Hmm. And then there's this thing that happens in our careers where now we want to be more free and available for for multiple projects to, to, to be on these wonderful things with these wonderful people. Mm -hmm. Um, so time has become precious. I absolutely would do long-term deals for any of those characters. Yeah, I love them. Of course I would. And also they're bigger than me. Like I'm really scared. I'm really fucking scared to do one of these and they're going to happen. I know it's going to happen. Everyone can see it. I'm so scared of the backlash. I'm a very sensitive boy. I have very thin skin. You just need to follow me on Twitter and you'll see I have very thin skin. And I think I, I don't know how well I'd handle abuse and taunts and boycotts and I'm ugly or I'm this or I'm that or I didn't do this well or this actor played it better. But those types of roles are bigger than me. And that's mm. what I have to remember. I have to, whatever I'm subjected, let's just take Bond, for instance. If you, if you did a role like James Bond, yes, my parents may have to move from the area they're in because they're vulnerable and people would probably throw fucking firebombs at them. Mm. It would it could create Jesus. quite a nasty backlash. It it can get quite nasty, you know what I mean? Like people would feel that that's a threat to more than just a character change. You know, it's a threat right, to right, changing right. times. It's it's a very it's a very delicate thing and that does scare the crap out of me. At the same time, think of the good it does. And right. what you know what I mean? So it's almost like I'd feel selfish to say well, if I do that, I can't do this project and I want to play this and I want to do that. The the good it could do, fuck it. Like it's bigger than me. How about you, Kate? Ready to play Bond? Um, I, I think um, Rahul and I have talked about this stuff like this a few times. Mm. And one of the reasons I think our friendship is as strong as it is, is because we are both sensitive little ducks who are also attention whores. <laughs> We want it all. <laughs> and so when something like that, like what he said, something that comes with such intense pros and cons, because you must be prepared to eat a lot of shit if you're going to take mm. a job like that. Because no matter sure. who gets hired on that job, there are going to be infinite voices screaming that you're not worthy for your job. And that can affect- If it's a high profile role yeah. and you're not a white man. Yeah. Exactly. And then- But even, the, even if white guys, that's the scary yeah. thing, like- like we know Daniel Craig got torn apart for looking a bit leathery, not looking like Pierce Brosnan and being blonde. Yeah. If he got it, what would what Kate would and they I do get? to us? And then, yeah. um, and, but so we take that in our sensitive artist side and we go, absolutely no hard pass mm. never. But then the opportunity of what it means to be a part of an iconic character, to be able to right. represent to be able to to grab that golden ring and the part of you that wants to be huge and and recognized and respected in that way and to be even considered in Bond. Like it would never occur to me that anybody would put my name out there for something as awesome as Bond. I would love that to be something like that, but I'm not even in the arena where people would allow me 
to be so, and, and it's, excuse me for having a Lady Macbeth moment, to be so unsexed where it wouldn't <laughs> fucking matter. It is the unsex me here. Let me be a character. And so it's so far from my reality. I would, I have no idea. And also like our public personas differ so much from our private lives. And in a thing like that, I, I can't imagine there isn't some bleed over when you can't go to the grocery store, when you can't take your kids for a walk, when I can't make off color jokes with my friends at dinner, because Dumas on Instagram, people are just reporting your every move. And it is, it's an absolutely a, a monkey's paw situation if you were to ever have that dream come true. So I don't, I don't know the answer to your question. I guess, I guess I would probably end up doing it because I'm a risk taker. And I would want to okay, see how you do you mm-hmm. you tackle like a, a beloved Marvel character, right? Like say say again, this isn't something I'm trying to throw out there. I'm just saying for the sake of it. Say you were offered Sue Storm. Mm. I mean, mil- I mean, listen, I've been trying. Yeah, to I was Phoenix I was saying Bond is sort of a catch all for these kind of roles. But again, <laughs> you guys, like, it's not without any kind of shame. I'm almost forty. No one's putting in a forty year old Sue Storm. No one's there was um. I've made jokes about Kate and space for years and Mm -hmm. there's a project that could be a Kate and space, but the real developmental issue is nobody wants a 40 year old astronaut Mm -hmm. because they wouldn't do that. They want a 25 year old astronaut. And so my response of course is of course they do. Who the fuck cares? Just put a line in the script that she's 40 and that's okay. Who cares? But Sandra Bullock got away with it. Yeah. Yeah, No shit. Yeah. Cause she's Sandra Bullock. Once you get to that level It is not about the person and the character. It's about the money put in, the money they can get overseas. It's a whole different game. And I'm just not in that game yet. I would love to be in that game, but there's a certain amount of people not taking the horror genre seriously. And so like, even now, I'm not taken as seriously as someone like Vanessa Kirby. We both do similarly intense work in our shows, but... I just am not taken seriously. I'm a, I'm a horror actress who's made, who is married to the content creator. And so I can dream big like that. I love big dreams, but for me, it doesn't ever get out of that dream sphere at this moment. No, it breaks mm. my fucking heart. Uh, yeah, you're sucks. so much, you, you know, and you know it and I mm-hmm. know it and we talk, there's so much more than that. It's so, and <clears throat> now fuck it. Like we, we're going to change that. I mean, maybe, yeah, I don't yeah, know, that would be we fun. are. No, we are. We will. No. And we're going to change it with a remake of No Smoking. <laughs> oh my God, you guys. This is the most chaotic neutral podcast I've ever been on. <laughs> that is our aim. That is our aim. Yeah. Um, Kate, I want you in that Baba Yaga role, though. I do. Yeah. I would Kate love Kate is definitely Baba Yaga. Unsex me here, y'all. Unsex me here. You're going to be the one to stop me from smoking. Yeah. I mean, maybe. It doesn't really work like it? that, but maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah. <laughs> Rahul, you, ha- you have no interest in stopping smoking, right? Um, No, I do. I, I, I do. I'm, I'm a cold turkey guy. So when I do, it's done. There's no patches. There's no talk about it. I just throw the pack of cigarettes in the bin like Spider-Man costume and we're done. All right. <laughs> right now, I love it. It's part of my work. And it's also, it creates a layer of a, 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 a boundary between me and my colleagues and people i work with and social settings um that i like it gives me a breather it's my safe space hmm. fair interesting fair fair yeah, i'm not a i'm not a smoker at all 
uh, or I'm not a smoker of cigarettes at all, uh, or weed. I can't, I can't like inhale that stuff, but I, I have picked up cigars and I do. I thought you were going to say I, meth or something. You were going down like, I was like, no. what's left? I have I, this little thing called crack. It's great. You guys. <laughs> so energetic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like, it, it's funny. It's a relaxing thing, but it's also a social thing for me. Like I don't smoke off and I'd say maybe once or twice a month, a cigar is is what I'll what I'll do if that. Um, and there's times where I'll go six months and not smoke a cigar. Um, but uh, I've noticed that it's just been a social. Like when we uh, Wampler and I went out on this lake house thing, you know, and I bought a cigar to go sit out on the deck and you know smoke it, you know, while we were sitting around a campfire talking. You know, it's like <laughs> best be holding you know? court like one of the fucking Sopranos out here with a, with a cigar. Yeah, you know, it's 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 an interesting thing because to me uh, the addiction for cigars in particular isn't the nicotine part of it, at least I don't think it is. It's it's the uh, uh, it's the social aspect of it. I I I get excited when like I have friends that smoke cigars and we're like, ooh, we're gonna we're gonna have tonight's the cigar night. We're gonna go get cigars and sit around outside and and you know have it because it takes an hour to smoke one of those fucking things. So you're sitting around just in conversation for an hour, you know? I think image I, I plays know. a part of that too. I think image does it's yeah it's particularly film fans. Um <clears throat> smoking has and is glorified in in that's true. You know, my favorite characters, you know, Michael Corleone or whatever, Clint Eastwood with the, with the, uh, Cigarillo. The cig- Cigarellos. Yeah. Like yeah. there is a level of image to it. I think that cigars, because I think cigars are disgusting. <laughs> yeah. But I still like feel like Gandolfini when I sit at a cigar bar with someone and I'm happy to just do one for the sake of it. It's more like, it's like cosplay almost to a certain degree. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. You know, um, whereas cigarette has gone past the cosplay, it was initially. As a kid, I started smoking at 11 Ooh, wow. um, and it was absolutely to bolster some sort of image because I was so, I don't know, of how I saw myself uh, and then it rapidly has left that. But um, but yeah, the image definitely played into it. That's And that's certainly a thing in no smoking, by the way. Uh, we stopped talking about it about three hours ago, but, um, <laughs> you know, the fact that... Um, uh, John, I forget his character's name, is... K. Okay. K. Yeah, K. Just the oh, letter K. Jesus Christ. The How one letter. I forget that. But yeah, yes. Just K. It's a lot of fucking letters, man. I can't Just like Men in Black. All those one letters. Um, but, but that was something I wanted to say earlier when we were talking about him, you know, just wanting to get that cigarette in. And, mm. and what I was thinking, like, I smoked for 20 years. I quit through the help of uh, nicotine lozenges which now I'm hopelessly addicted to. I've had two of them in through this entire rewarding. Um, And that's been four years now. Addiction is addiction is addiction. Um, But he, he, K does not seem like, like it's, it's, it's more of a social status thing to him or the way he looks, you know, which is yeah. bolstered by this idea yeah. of him like always wearing sunglasses indoors. He wants to look like he's been pulled out of a fucking magazine the entire time. I think that's you know? true. I think that's I think that's absolutely it. But then that, again, I think it was Eric who was saying like the desperation was missing of the the compulsion to smoke, and I think it's because it's portrayed as really superficial. Yeah, very right. very much his image. I think you're right on the yeah uh, on target with that, Scott. Yeah. Well, 
I've ended yeah. that in a way where I have no idea where to go next, but <laughs> it's a, this is a good spot to end it. I think I think Oof. we've been going on for for a yes, while. Indeed, I need to. Well, uh, <laughs> what what can y'all tell us about your next your next projects? Where where are we going to see you next? I have can a movie coming that? out on the twenty seventh. Whoop whoop! That is mm-hmm. true. You guys can check out Hypnotic on Netflix. Really fun, mm-hmm. timely Halloween romp. A nice like. A great movie to watch with your friends at night. Trailer's great. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun. I'm into I it. Said, I, I told Kate I wanted to live tweet it when I watched it. <laughs> uh, just wear your shirt. You and can. I'm gonna. I'll live. T- I guess. I, I mean, how do you live tweet a Netflix film? Do you do it at midnight? Like, what do you do? No, no, no. You just you just put it on and like you say, right, I'm going to watch this and I, I'll do a non-spoiler thing. But, you know, you just other people decide they want to press play when you're pressing play. It's oh, at your fun. own leisure. Yeah. And I'll just tweet if I think of something funny as I'm watching or interesting. That's it. It's just a bit of fun. I want oh, to do that. Fun. Cool. Yeah. And Rahul, where are we going to see you next? Uh, live tweeting. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, what's, you know, what's fucked up. Yeah. That's, I, I, that's pretty much what I've got on my list right now. I haven't got anything coming out. Fuck it. No, nah, I don't know. Midnight Mass. Well, you've been training <laughs> for something, right? Yeah, there's been some stuff. There's there's a few projects in the works. Uh, all I'm NDA'd up to my eyeballs in some stuff I've worked on and will be working on. Um, and I'm currently doing a big training for something. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's I'm in that. I've always been on lucky, unlucky. I, I'm, I'm always tied up about shit I can't, I can't really talk about. Well, that's that's only good things. Yeah. Yeah. That's lucky. That's, that's lucky. Yeah, but it looks like I'm unemployed all but the you're time. Very, and, then, the and then when Stan you're Twitter upset with employees. me. That's how they're trying to get you <laughs> jobs. They're trying to get you all the jobs because you're always got those NDAs. You've got the good stuff. Well, they, you know, Stan, the, the Stan Twitter, uh-huh. right? Whenever they start talking about me when, they, when I'm not their favorite, right? And I trans, it says translate from Portuguese. It's usually like, this fucking unemployed someone he's looking at him so desperately get him a job never do it you told me that i know but i never hit that translate from portuguese i know it's never good no it's never like gosh i love him so much it's always like how the fuck did they get this job i should be married to mike flanagan or we're old (laughs) (laughs) no i'm fine guys i'm really fine i'm fine it's good never translate well kate Rahul, thank you so much for being here today. This was the light, uh, possibly the most chaotic episode that we've we've ever done. But um, we t- I had a good time. That. I'm glad we saw this movie together, and uh, we're we're excited for whatever you have coming down the the pike next. Yes, definitely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank of you course. For having us. Many, 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 many thanks to Rahul Kohli and Kate Siegel, who we kind of all agree now is the unofficial third host of the KingCast. Yes. Yes. Uh, it was uh, a lot of fun to have him on. You got a little uh, little contentious uh, in there a little bit. Got some little arguments. Testy. Got some loving. Yeah. You got a little bit of everything. It was like a, a, a soap opera up in here this episode. I firmly expect to hear from some of the Kate Siegel fans when this episode runs. And to them, and hopefully to stave off some of those conversations, because, folks, I'm exhausted. I consider Kate Siegel a friend. Uh, we've gotten to, we've both gotten to know her over the course of this, uh, doing this podcast. And mm-hmm. I would just say that debating amongst friends is one of my favorite things to do. And uh, no one, no one's taking anything personally. We're all here to 
you know, argue about our nerdy pursuits and, you know, and, and occasionally agree. That's 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 what we do. So please don't yell at me. You know, it's all it's all in good fun. I will say that she did seem to be way more offended at uh, your your take on poutine than she did on you get on the on no smoking because she was just like you know hey it's cool I'm really happy that that you feel this way about the movie with the poutine she was like uh no wrong yeah yeah we can argue about that one all day I'm fine with that one <laughs> but uh, but I do feel I do feel like I got a little testy there on this one and uh, that's something for me to think about going forward perhaps <laughs> speaking of going forward. Look at yes. that. Look at that segue. Look at that segue. Kill uh, what do we have in what do we have in store for uh, next week's main feed episode? Next week, we are digging into Vincenzo Natale's In the Tall Grass. Uh, this is an ad- adaptation of a, a story King wrote with uh, his son, Joe Hill, uh, adapted for Netflix. Uh, its world premiere was held at uh, Fantastic Fest some years ago. I think you and I were both in attendance. Indeed. Um, solid movie. Solid movie that I think is, well, I'll, I'll save it all for the show. I'll save it all for the episode. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to be talking about that. And we're going to be bringing in a guest who appeared on our first year of the show. He hasn't been back since, but uh, we've been in constant touch with with this guy. And he's he's very excited to come back onto the show. And we're excited to have him. Uh, and he's got one project that's currently on the air and another one that's dropping at the end of November. So it was a really good opportunity for us to um, bring them back, spread a little love around uh, what our pals up to these days and uh, to also look into this title that we've, we've never touched before. Yeah. So that'll be, that'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that one. And then on uh, Friday for our Patreon subscribers, we have a bonus episode as we do every Friday. And this week we are bringing on, a man by the name of Clark Collis. He is a, a writer at Entertainment Weekly, and he is also uh, now a published author who wrote a book all on the making of Shaun of the Dead called You've Got Red on You. And we love us some Shaun of the Dead. We love us some some uh, Clark Collis. And so we brought him on to discuss uh, the very infrequent times Stephen King has actually used zombies in his story. So this is all about the few times that King has delved into the zombie side of horror genre. And we brought in the guy who just wrote a book on one of the better zombie movies of the last, what, 20 years. So indeed, so that that is our bonus episode. And if you uh, are not yet on our Patreon, you can go over to patreon.com slash the King cast and sign up. On this episode, you'll get to hear us all tell stories about the first time we met Edgar Wright and what mm. a delightful human being that guy is. So uh, it's a, 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 a gossipy in a, in a positive way, this episode. <laughs> and, uh, and also, you know, yes, the zombie stuff. And zombies. And the yeah. zombies. All right. And I think that that's it. Unless we just want to do a quick follow us on Twitter at KingCast19. Yeah. Uh, make sure to visit Cotet19.net. That's K-A-T-E-T-1-9.net. And uh, buy some merch. We got some cool shirts over there. Yes, and we may have something exclusive coming up uh, in the Mm. merch department. Perhaps a limited edition item or Mm. items that might be on the way. So that's that's something to be be thinking about. Absolutely. So let's, uh, yeah, let's leave it there. So we have uh, next week in the tall grass with our mystery guest. And, uh, this Friday on our Patreon, we have Stephen King and zombies, uh, nice discussion with Clark Collis of entertainment weekly. 
Um, that should do it. Adios, folks. The KingCast is a Fangoria podcast production. The show is produced, hosted, and created by Eric Vespi, that's me, and Scott Wampler. Tira Ansley and Abby Goel are executive producers. Daniel Danger is our art director. And editing is done by yours truly. Truly.